the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report. This is the show where we do our very best every single episode to give you the information and perspectives that you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stallmecker. I'm here with Chad Robichaux. And today we're going to discuss something that is near and dear to our hearts. Uh, so many issues in culture, so many things that we uh, do our best to tackle, to address, to deal with. We bring on guests who can speak into some of these very important issues But when it comes to issues of culture related to the United States military, this is something that Chad and I both feel very passionately about, particularly right now, as we consider the vaccination mandates for COVID-19 across the country, communities, cities, states, (laughs) nationally, uh, even globally, the conversation around should a vaccination be mandated? How should that be handled? These are conversations we're having, and, and you're very familiar with that. But within the United States military, in the Department of Defense, a decision has been made that all service members must also be vaccinated. This has had real consequences to overall uh, unit readiness, to the number of United States military members who are getting out or being forced out because they refuse to accept the vaccination. Uh, So many issues at work there. And, And this is so important that we brought on an incredible guest who's been on the front lines of this and looking forward to talking about vaccinations, the vaccination mandates for military members with our very special guest today, Michael Berry. Our guest today is Michael Berry. Very glad to have him with us. He is currently the general counsel for First Liberty Institute, has served as an active duty Marine. And uh, I'll stop right there, Michael. Thank you for being an active duty Marine and now serving in the reserves. We've had a lot of Army guys on recently, which is very uncomfortable. So it's uh, it's great to <laughs> great to have great to have another Marine on. Uh, you served active duty. You are currently serving uh, in the Marine Corps Reserve. You have served as an adjunct professor of law at the United States Naval Academy. Um, man, thanks for taking some time. You're very busy. Thank you for being on with us today. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's start. We're going to jump into a very specific, very important conversation, but, but let's start, if you don't mind, with a little bit of your story. Tell us uh, kind of where you came from, how you ended up in the Marine Corps. One of my favorite things to do is to listen to Marines talk about how they ended up in the Marine Corps, uh, how they grew up, and uh, where they came from. If you wouldn't mind, take a, take a couple minutes to talk about yourself. Sure. Well, uh, man, uh, where do I start? Uh, I, you know, <laughs> spent childhood years moving around a lot of different places uh i did not come from a military family but just through you know situations with with my parents and their jobs and everything moved around a lot i you know lived in california lived overseas uh and then we ended up in texas uh for my for high school uh i ended up getting a a, an air force rotc scholarship uh, to go to college so I thought I was going to become a, a pilot in the Air Force, 
And when I got to college, you know, here I am on this full ride, ROTC, think everything's great. And, um, you, you know, it just, I, I wasn't ready for it. Uh, yeah. that, that's the honest truth. Um, you know, there's a lot of responsibilities and obligations, not only as a, as a college student, but also as, you know, ROTC. Right. And long story short, I, I walked away from it. You know, I, I, I just, I, I decided to opt out. Uh, it wasn't for me. And, uh, you can imagine the conversation with my parents. So like, hey, you know, <laughs> let go of this 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 full ride, right? Um, but I will say that the desire to serve never left me. Um, I, I still just kind of there, there was kind of that itch that I had to scratch, right? And nine uh, eleven happened right uh, not long after I graduated from college, and that was really you know that was sort of the the, the tipping point for me. You know, as somebody who already had a desire to serve, it sort of felt like, you know, I, that's something I still need to do. And then nine eleven happens, and I'm like, all right, I, you know, I, I need to, I need to do something. Yeah. And um, I started talking to different recruiters, and uh, you know, I know you said you had Army on before. <laughs> talking to the Army recruiter, the Air Force recruiter, the Navy recruiter. Uh, it. I don't mean this in 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 you know, a condescending way. But this is like a safe space. Say whatever you need to say. This is a safe yeah, space here. <laughs> oh, you know, we got bonuses. We can put you in this program, that program, you know, uh, all, you know, all these great perks and benefits that they were offering. <laughs> I was kind of like, man, that's something to think about. And then I thought, well, you know, I need to go ahead and round out the, the group and talk to a Marine Corps recruiter. And for officers that, you know, we call them an OSO, Officer Selection right. Officer. So I called the, uh, the OSO in Dallas, Texas, and they wouldn't even let me talk to the OSO. I had to talk to a gunnery sergeant first. And, you know, by this point, I'm like, all right, what, you know, what kind of, what kind of, you know, bonuses am I talking right. about here? What kind of programs you right. got? What can you do for me? Yeah. And, and, and he was just like, all I have is the opportunity to earn the title Marine. That's it. Right. And he's like, and I'm not even sure you can do that. Right. And so I was just like, what? You know, who, you know, who is this guy? Yeah. And, uh, but you know what? They got me hook, line, and sinker. Cause at that point I was like, you know, this guy's challenging me. Right. And so I, I, I just decided it was like, well, then I need to prove this guy wrong. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's what, you know, that's just kind of the way I'm wired, you know, is if you challenge me and tell me I can't do it, then, uh, I, I want to try to prove you wrong and, uh, I, I decided at that point, I was like, I'm going to be a, a, a U.S. Marine. Yeah. And that's what led me into that path. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember when I uh, I called the officer selection officer in uh, Tallahassee, Florida. I was in Pensacola at the time. And, uh, man, I had the same conversation on the phone. I'm like, I want to be a Marine officer. He's like, you'll never make it. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> never, I thought you were a recruiter. He's like, yeah, no, you're not going to make it. You're a white guy. You have no chance here. And I, I'd never been told that in my entire life, right? Maybe it's white privilege or something. I don't know. But I, I, I'd never been told that in my entire life. He's like, you're not going to make it. I mean, you can fill out the forms. You can take the ASVAB, but you're probably not going to make it. I'm like, okay, all right. I guess that's where we are. So maybe that's the standard line. That's pretty funny. Did you did you join intending to be a uh, JAG? Uh, did you go like, like guaranteed legal? Uh, no, no, I did not. So I, I you know... Obviously, they wouldn't even give me the time of day at first. I had to go and take like a, 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 a you know a PFT. They were like, "Hey, why don't you show up? You know, Friday morning, 
at the at the office. Bring some bring some PT gear. And I'm like, what's PT gear? And they're like, uh, uh, workout clothes. I'm like, okay. And I ran my first PFT. I'm not even gonna say what the score I got was because it was it was embarrassing. And he's like, hey, we got a lot of work to do. And uh, but eventually, you know, they 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 I think they finally realized that I wasn't going away, and that this was something I was really interested in. And he said, all right, what do you you know if you if you make it and you become a Marine, what are you gonna do? And I was like, I haven't even thought that far ahead. I yeah. just, you know, I'm just trying to get in, you know. And he said, Well, you need to, you need to think about these things. And so I said, Well, what, what are my options? And he's like, Well, what do you, you know, I, I was a young twenty-something, you know, early twenties at that time. He's like, What do you want to do with your life? And I said, I, you know, I don't know. And he said, I mean, do you have any aspirations, plans? And I said, You know, I always wanted to get, go to grad school. And he's like, Okay, tell me about that. And I said. You know, I, I figured I'd, I always figured I'd go get an MBA, and he kind of looked at me and he's like, you know, kind of side-eyed me and he's like, yeah, I don't really think the Marine Corps has got much use for an MBA. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he goes, he goes, what else? And I said, well, if I didn't go to M- get an MBA, I always thought law school would be kind of fun. And he goes, law school, okay. He goes, well, you know, we need good lawyers in the Marine Corps. I had no idea that the Marine Corps had lawyers. Mm. Like I, had, so, and he's like. He goes, uh, I, I said, really? Like the Marine Corps has lawyers? And he said, yeah, haven't you seen a few good men? And I said, no, I've never seen it. He was like, you go home tonight and you watch a few good men. That is your that is your homework. And so I went home, I watched a few good men, and I was like, that's awesome. I was like, yeah. like that's what I'm going to do. And so but you wanted to be the colonel, didn't you? Yeah, that's what I wanted to be when I watched it. I got the wrong message when I watched it. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, so um, – yeah, I just sort of stumbled into it, you know, uh, and, and it was really, I, I, I'm guessing it's because they, the recruiter, the OSO probably got more points or something like that for, mm. for, for signing up a, a lawyer than for signing up a grunt, you know, so I probably helped him out. And, and, I, and for me, it was just like, look, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I just want to, I just want to be in, I just want to be in the club, you know, right. let me, just let me in the club. Whatever the secret handshake is, whatever, you know, the password, you know, I'll learn it. That's awesome. So ultimately, the Marine Corps recruits you to be a lawyer in the Marine Corps. And now, today, you're dealing with a major legal battle in the United States with these COVID vaccinations and mandates that the Department of Defense has put on all the branches, including the Marine Corps. And uh, you're right in the middle of that. You're probably more in the middle of that than anyone else uh, with your role at First Liberty. So... The Marine Corps trains you to be a lawyer, and now you're really doing your job to defend service members. Yeah, and even though you're not doing it as a Marine in the outside occupation, you're doing it to defend service members. Tell us, I guess, tell us about what's going on right now. And yeah, I mean, I you know, I never imagined I would be in the situation or position that I'm in now. Um, I I fell in love with being a Marine. You know what I mean? Uh, even though I, I was not one of the guys that was like when I was four years old, I wasn't marching around in little little you know toddler camis and you know saluting and everything and saying you know when I grew up I'm gonna be a U.S. Marine. You know that 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 just that wasn't me necessarily. Um, but when I when I became a Marine and I learned more and more about the Marine Corps, what it means to be a Marine, uh, I took all of it very seriously. You know, when I went through OCS and learned about 
you know, honor, courage, commitment, Semper Fidelis, the, the, the battles that the Marine Corps has fought and won on behalf of our nation. I, I mean, I took all of it to heart. Maybe it was because it was all brand new to me and I hadn't heard it a thousand times like some people have. And I, you know, we, we have a term in the Marine Corps uh, I'm sure you're familiar with. It may not be politically correct anymore. I don't know, but uh, I sure had it used. Uh, you know, I got the label very early on as being a, a motard. Okay, um, <laughs> and uh, but I wore it as a badge of honor because I was I was totally moto. You know what I mean? I was just one of those guys. Even even as a young officer, it was I was I loved everything about the Marine Corps. I love being Marine. I still do. Uh, I love marines you know being around marines um and and so it and i i give all that backdrop and background chad because that's what motivates me today to do what i do is because i believe so much in what the marine corps stands for the marine corps as as an idea and as an institution i don't believe in what the marine corps stands for in terms of what they're doing right now yeah. to marines yeah. And I was always taught, right, you have to take care of your people. The strength of the Marine Corps are Marines. And it's not a weapon system. It's not a new, you know, JLT, JTLV or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's none of that. It is people who, who, who are cut from every cross-section of America. Right. From cities to suburbs to farms, to, you know, inner city, you know, slums, and they raise the right hand and, and something changes and they become a U.S. Marine and they're willing to go to some of the worst places on the planet and defend our nation and defend our freedoms. And as an institution, we owe them something. You know, as a Marine Corps, we have to look out for them. And I just feel like we are not looking out for our Marines right now. Yeah. And so me as an officer, even as a reservist and now as a civilian, I feel like that's that's one of the highest obligations that I have is to defend the rights and constitutional freedoms and the religious freedom for I mean, and, and obviously it's not just Marines. Right. I, I do the same for soldiers sailors, airmen, coast guardsmen, you know, cadets, midshipmen, etc. And and I so I've never lost sort of that that passion that I that I developed very early on and just the belief that we as an institution, both the Marine Corps and just the military in general in this country, you know, there's a higher standard that we need to hold ourselves yeah. to. I mean, again, going back to the, how I became a Marine, that's why I chose the Marines over the other branches. They were something different. There was right. a higher standard that they wanted to hold me to, and that was attractive to me. And so even today, I'm like, okay, you guys got me to join because you wanted to be held to a higher standard. Well, now here I am. I'm holding us and holding all of us collectively to that higher standard. And, and specifically when it comes to this vaccine mandate, it is we should not be kicking out Marines at a time when – We've got threats from Russia, threats from China, threats from North Korea, threats from Iran, places that we probably haven't even thought about yet, yeah. right? That are going to be threats, and and 
we are stretched as thin as we can be, why are we kicking people out? I mean, these are good, capable, you know, ready to go service members. And we're saying you are not worthy of being in this country's armed forces because you have an objection to the, to something that we don't even know about. You know, I don't want to get into the science of the, I'm not a medical expert, right? I'm not an epidemiologist. Um, but I know enough to know that this is not a conventional vaccine. There have been massive widespread reports of side effects and, and that's just on the physical side. We're not even taught. We haven't even talked about the mental and emotional side and the spiritual side of, of, of this whole vaccine thing and what it's doing to Americans and what it's doing to our military. So that's sort of, that's my spiel as to why I'm in this fight. Yeah, I mean, it's so many people affected for, uh, you, know, you, you know this because we spoke personally about it, but, um, you know, my, my, my son, I have a son right now who's actually facing administrative, he's, he's getting discharged as we speak. And uh, you know, my, my uncle was the first one to serve in our family in World War II, so we have 80, over 80 years of service to our nation, 12 combat deployments since World War II. The Marine Corps specifically, we've been, my family's been serving consecutively for 53 years and 11 combat deployments to the Marine Corps. And, you know, my family's legacy is going to end uh, with my son being discharged uh, because he had a religious exemption to the vaccine and he did the religious exemption. They denied it. It was a blanket denial. They did. He did an appeal, uh, which was denied. And he did an appeal to the secretary of the Navy, which they wouldn't even push up. And, uh, and then, you know, did what's called a 6105, which is uh, for commission of a serious offense. And, uh, and you know, his appeal to that was that, you're not giving me a, a lawful order, and 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 we believe it's it's not a lawful order. So, and I think one of the things, and no, Jeremy has a question too, but one of the things I want to start with was, is this, you know, in, you know, this is the one of the cases my son's making in addition to his religious ex, religious uh, exemption. Uh, is this a lawful order? Is the are our troops being given an actual lawful order, or is it not? You know, uh, many will say it. Many have said it's not. I I believe it's not because it's not an FDA approved vaccine. But but go ahead. Well, I, I think the order itself could be lawful. It's the way it's being enforced is what's unlawful. So it's, it, it, you know, it, you know, there's some nuance there, right? That, that I can issue an order to you to, to do something and the order itself might be lawful. But then if the way in which I enforce that order is unlawful, I mean, you know, take it completely in a different context, something that obviously, you know, we, we hear about a lot in the, in the, in the news and, and, and elsewhere, but uh, just normal law enforcement, right? Enforcing laws that have been on our books for a long time. But if you begin only enforcing those laws against a, a, a particular race of people and you don't enforce them against other races, then it's not that the law itself is unlawful. It's the way in which it's being enforced is unconstitutional, right? Because you're, you're, you're showing selective bias. And I think that's exactly what's happening with the vaccine mandate is the the Department of Defense has said, here's this order, right, to get vaccinated. It's it's you know, the order itself is no different than all the other vaccines that that are required for service members. And so that's obviously one of the criticism people say is, well, you know, when you join the military, there's all these vaccines you have to you have to get. Okay, that's true. But the Department of Defense recognizes medical exemptions and administrative exemptions. And on paper, they recognize religious exemptions. 
But we all know that that's where it stops is on paper. Because when it's put into practice, just as your your son experienced, Chad, that they're, they're not actually granting the religious exemptions. And that was actually the basis for the lawsuit that First Liberty filed in federal court, which is we're not challenging whether or not Secretary of Defense has the authority to issue the order. What we're, what we're arguing to the court, and the court agreed with us, thankfully, is when the Secretary of Defense is enforcing this order, he's saying if you have a medical issue, you can get an exemption. If you qualify for the administrative exemption, you can get that. But nobody gets a religious exemption. Zero. Out of tens of thousands. I mean, I mean, we're, t- I mean we're not talking five people who've asked for a religious exemption. We're talking tens of thousands. And they're saying not a single one of them is valid, right? Not a single one in the entire Department of Defense is valid. That is a near impossibility, right? And so that was our argument is that that is unlawful. That is blatant discrimination that the Constitution forbids and that federal law forbids. And the federal court, as I said, thankfully agreed with us and issued an injunction telling the Navy, you cannot punish these sailors because of their religious objection anymore. You have to stop. That's a, man, such a central part of this. It's so hard to understand. I, when I started to hear about vaccine mandates, um, I thought to 2003, I deployed with 1st Battalion, 5th Marines to Kuwait first, and then we were part of the invasion in 2003. And we were supposed to go to Okinawa first. That changed. Now we're going to Kuwait. I think we had 12 different vaccinations over the course of like a week. And one of those was an anthrax vaccine. And, you know, if you recall, that was a little bit before your time. But if you recall, that was very controversial at the time. We had a corpsman who signed off on an entire platoon in our weapons company saying they had all been vaccinated when they had not. That was found out before we deployed. We were like four days away from deployment. Everyone was called back, locked down. Um, page 11s for all of those Marines. They were forced to get the vaccine. And, and I think back to that, and I think there was not one of us that thought that was unjust, right? <laughs> like they lied. The military is telling us we have to do this. We have to do this. It's anthrax. We don't know anything about it. We'll probably all die. But this is part of being in the military. They can tell us what to do. And there was very little discussion around that. So when I've I've heard about the mandates that are happening now. That's what my mind goes back to, and that's what I connect it to. Um, and I guess what I'm hearing you say, and, and that's very helpful, is it, it's not the mandate of a vaccine that is the problem. It's the picking and choosing which um, objections the military will listen to. Is that what fundamentally makes those two things different? Yeah, and... And look, there, there very well could be a good argument that the order for this vaccine is also problematic. I'm very sympathetic to that argument. I just, that's, that's not the argument that we brought in court because strategically we felt like the selective enforcement was, an even, was, right. was, was much right. easier to get a judge to agree with, right? And I, and I think obviously our, our success has, has proved that. Um, and, but, you know, so I'll let medical experts and, and vaccine experts argue and hopefully prevail on the, you know, this is, this vaccine's ineffective, right? Which I think the data is showing. 
this vaccine is causing massive side effects right. that, that are you know being underreported or, or just now starting to be reported. I think we're seeing that. Um, so I'm I, again, I, I support and encourage those who want to take up that fight. The, and there's, there are so many things wrong with this vaccine mandate that there are plenty of room at the table for all those things. Sure. You know what I mean, there's, right, it, right. you know, look, we're, we're, we're talking amongst three Marines. This is a combined arms, you know, uh, uh, engagement, right? You, you're going to have your ground, so, uh, you know, troops, and you're going to have your close air support, right. your indirect fire, et cetera. I mean, analogously speaking here, right? And, and, and so, that's that's what I see happening is some are going to want to challenge it just purely on the FDA versus emergency use authorization, the availability of community versus BioNTech, et cetera, et cetera. Right. right, right. And again, I 100 percent encourage those people to go forward and make those arguments. Yeah. And I said, in the meantime, I'm going to be on your flank making yeah. the argument that the exemptions that DOD is making available are unconstitutional, right? And that, and that when people are being punished and kicked out because their exemption was denied, right? I'm trying to find a way. I feel a little bit like, you know, the scene in, in Star Wars when he's got that one, whatever it was, you know, <laughs> one, one, one round left. I don't. I don't think it was a rocket. It was Star proton Wars. torpedo. It was a proton yeah. torpedo. Proton you, you have. Torpedo. You have there to pay attention. You have to. Very yeah, important. I'm, I'm, very I'm important. Trying to get all the way into the middle of the Death Star because that's where I have right. to hit. You know, that's that's sort of what 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 I feel like First Liberty is is taking on here. That's good. Is we're trying to find our way to worm into the you know to un just take down the yep. whole like the whole scheme by saying you need you know DoD. And Navy, you're going to have to go back to the drawing board and start over again because the whole th- everything you've been doing is wrong. It's unconstitutional. It's unlawful. And and the people who are paying the greatest price for this are people like Chad Sun, potentially myself, right? Now you mentioned I'm a reservist, and I'm I'm still waiting to hear a decision on my own religious accommodation request. Wow. I don't know when that when I'm going to hear anything. I have no idea what they're going to, I mean, well, I think I have an idea of what they're going to say. Uh, I don't anticipate that I will be somehow magically be the first Marine to <laughs> right. get the religious accommodation. But, um, uh, you know, I, it's it just to bring this full, full circle and, and, and to zoom back out to the big picture here, it just, it's gut wrenching for me as yeah. a proud Marine, somebody who loves the Marine Corps and loves what the Marine Corps stands for to see this happening, right? To see what we are doing to ourselves, such a self-inflicted injury that is so avoidable if they would just follow the law. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's super helpful. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. 
Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. There's so many fronts for this. Uh, one of the ones that we uh, that I've seen other people engaged in, some people that we both know that are Marines, kind of like secretly uh, generals, colonels that are secretly fighting this uh, is the the lawful order. One of the one of the perspectives of that is that you know it is an emergency use; it's not FDA approved, and uh, and that would require a presidential waiver, which President Biden has not given. And uh, so that that's one of the the angles of uh, the lawful order itself. I'm happy to hear because I think it's important that people laser focus on what their their niche is and what their angle is, and you guys are focused on the religious exemptions. Uh, you know, other people are going to be focused on things like how is this different from the anthrax vaccine? Anthrax was actually a threat. Uh, is COVID a threat? Uh, I would I would argue based on the data I see, it's not near a threat as other things in the Marine Corps. I mean, more more less Marines have died from COVID than have died from the suicide epidemic. Uh, right. within the military right now. Why are we not yeah. addressing that? Why is it not 100% all hands on, on, on efforts like that? So uh, definitely there's some political motivation here and agendas. Uh, but, you know, when it goes to the religious exemption, the area you guys are focused on, uh, I think for our listeners, what what justifies a religious exemption? What would be a good justification for a religious exemption? Uh, aborted, aborted fetal parts, like other types of things. Uh, what are what are we seeing uh, people asking for religious exemptions for that are being denied? Well, I think I mean so I'll answer that in two parts. First, you, you can ask for a religious exemption for anything, right? I mean, it it can literally be, and I don't I don't I, I you know I don't mean to make light of it, but because I hear all the time, well, what if the what if the flying spaghetti monster told me not to get the <laughs> vaccine, right? Okay, that I mean, you can actually make that request. You know, right. and the government in this country, under the Constitution and under federal law, the government does not have the right or the authority to say that is not a legitimate religious belief. Mm. Right? We 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 take people at their word when they say, "I have a religious belief that you know, fill in the blank." And if you believe that God is telling you, "Do not get the vaccine," that is all that's required. Now, if you want to, if you if you want to bolster that with, and the reason why I object on religious grounds is because of the well documented link between this vaccine and the use of aborted fetal cells, or you know the fact that it is is mRNA technology that alters or has the potential to alter the human body's DNA, or the fact that there's also well documented link between. The, the COVID vaccine and uh, trace animal you know, a- animal cells and, and animal parts. And, and you have a religious belief that says that, that I shouldn't be putting, injecting my body, even if it's in trace amounts, but with, you know, with, with animal tissue or animal DNA. You know, I mean, so, and so on and so forth, right? It, it, again, the law says you don't have, it, your belief can be completely unreasonable hmm. as long as it's sincere. Right. That's really the only question is, is it sincere? And yeah. then people say, well, how do you know if it's sincere? Well, you know, 
how do you know when somebody's not being sincere? I don't you know if, if, if I tell you <laughs> right. that I am pro-life and that my religious beliefs compel me to be pro-life and then, you know, then the very next day I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm directing somebody to terminate their pregnancy. Oh, that's probably a little lack of sincerity, there, right. right? I mean, right. You, you know, you've got some evidence of lack of sincerity. So, uh, but what we are not allowed to question is sort of legitimacy or reasonableness, right? You can never say that's just not a reasonable belief. Yeah. Right? I that's not something I would do. Therefore, I don't believe that's something that you should do when it comes to your religious belief. We don't do that in this country. Yeah. Now, Chad, the, I I think the way that the question should be asked is not. When should a religious accommodation be approved? Because the default under the law, the, de the default is it should be approved. In mm. fact, the, the DOD regulation that governs religious accommodations, Department of Defense Instruction 1300.17, and it says a request for religious accommodation shall be approved, right? So wow. that's the baseline, shall wow. be approved. And then it has, except in the following circumstances, right? And so it's it's the real question is when can the DOD not approve? And 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 it's the highest standard available in the law is to they have to meet in order to say no to a religious exemption. And that's again why we keep saying what they're doing is illegal. They're not meeting that standard. Yeah. And the standard is they have to show that there's a compelling government interest. Right? There has to be like in other words, it has to be a really, really good reason. Okay, it can't just be. And, and and the law says this is not Mike Berry saying this. This is what the law says that it can't just be like pie in the sky. You know, well, we have to have everybody vaccinated for mission readiness. <laughs> I mean, you right. can you can fit anything into the readiness box, right? Right. I, I mean, look, think about it, because I hear this argument all the time. No tattoos. Why? Readiness. Yeah. You know. I mean. I mean. You know. Yeah. Mission, yeah. That's the answer for everything, college. right? Readiness. Uniformity. Yeah. Esprit de corps. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. but, but I'm sure you've heard it before, right? Oh yeah. Well, oh, Marines shouldn't have tattoos. Well, well now I, they got rid of it. They got rid of the policy because of uh for numbers. Exactly. So we're not, we not ready now. <laughs> right. And, and 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 so it's the same thing with the vaccine. The government, the Department of Defense, can't just throw out readiness as their reason. It has to be an actual, yeah. like, no, 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 no. And this is what courts will do is they'll say, you show me the direct link between vaccination and readiness and unvaccination and lack of readiness. Right. And here's the kicker. All right. I'm talking to two Marines. So you tell me based on your own experience. Um, Cause I asked this question and, and thankfully we got this question on the record in, in, in court. Has there been any commanding officer, all right, in this case it was across the Navy because our case was representing Navy SEALs, any commanding officer who publicly stated that their, their unit did not make mission during the 18 months of, of the COVID pandemic when we did not have the vaccine available, right? So roughly mm -hmm. March of 2020 yeah. through August of 2021. Show me one commanding officer who said, gosh, we, we were not able to accomplish our mission. If only we'd had a vaccine. If only we had had a vaccine, we would have done it. If yeah. only we'd had a vaccine, we could, have, we could have accomplished our mission. No. Right. There's not a commanding officer alive who would ever say that. And we all know that, right? So that's what I mean by it has to be a really good reason. And then 
Here's he, here's the even harder part. Okay, well, first, let me back up for a second. So legally speaking, right, I'm going to do a little bit of constitutional law training for, for, for our listeners here <laughs> and for you guys. So legally speaking, when the government says, I have a really good reason, right? Generally speaking, a compelling government interest is one where there's no exception, right? That's what we mean by compelling. No exceptions. It's so important. There's no exceptions. No medical exceptions. Nothing. Exactly. Bingo. You just nailed it. Which means no. We. It's so important. We can't even allow medical right. exceptions. Right. Or in this case, administrative exceptions. Do you know why we have administrate? What the administrative exemptions available are? If you're within 120 days of separation or retirement, you get a you get an administrative exemption. If you are in, if you have PCS orders, administrative exemption. If you are participating wow. in a clinical trial where you get a placebo, you get an administrative exemption. Wow. Now think about that. All right? How many thousands of Marines are executing PCS orders at any given moment? How many thousands of Marines are within 120 days of separation or retirement at any given moment. And somehow we, 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 we put on our, our, our make-believe hats and we say, <laughs> they get an exception, they're, they're not capable of transmitting the virus. What, what, as soon as you hit 120 days from separation, you're, you're, you, you know, you're in a magic bubble. You can't, you can't pass you're good COVID to, You're good to go. Right. Yeah. No, because they keep saying, well, this is such a deadly virus. We have to have 100% vaccination to protect everybody. Then why are you letting thousands of Marines? Right, right. Right. I mean, are, 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 you know, and then the best one to me is the placebo, right? So we're letting people who are participating in a clinical trial where they get a, 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 a water pill that doesn't actually have the virus. And they just go right back to their units. I mean, they could be typhoid Mary for all we know, but they have <laughs> right. an, they got that administrative exemption because that's the so that's what completely guts the compelling interest. Yeah, is you're letting thousands of people walk around conceivably with the virus, and you don't care. Right, you're like they're good to go because they have they have the magic you know get out of jail free card. But if somebody says I have a religious belief. And I take my religious beliefs mm. very seriously. And I, if I were to get this vaccine, I would be committing a sin. We say, you're out. Get out, right? Yeah. I, and, and that's where, you know, I, I get very frustrated with what our Marine Corps and our, and our Department of Defense yeah. is doing and why that's so dangerous. And then the second piece, just quickly, is the is the you have to have a really good reason and the second half of it is and then the government once it once it shows it has a really good reason that they have to show there's no other way to do it right there's no other way to ensure health and safety readiness mm -hmm. etc well look i just saw an article i'm just going to pull it straight from the headlines the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff general milley has COVID, and what did they say general milley is doing He's working remotely and, and isolating himself and so and doing social distancing so that he can continue to perform his duties. Yeah. That's what the, that's exactly the quote from the Pentagon. And I thought, well, gosh, if it's good enough for the chairman and the Joint Chiefs, right. why isn't it good enough for the rest of us? Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. they they already said there is another way to handle this when somebody gets COVID. 
you just you, you they're in isolation for right. whatever a week or two until their symptoms subside and they test negative and then they go back to work. Yep. Mike, what's the uh, what will be the impact of your current uh, case with the seals? You just won that case. Maybe you can talk about that for a second. But what will be the more broad impact throughout the military? So the the actual decision from the judge, right, telling the Navy you can't separate these guys, you can't punish them, you can't take adverse action against them. So technically, the judge's order only applies to the Navy SEALs that we represent. But, all right, what we've been encouraging everybody to do is the the arguments, I mean, you know, the old saying we would say, it's not rocket surgery, okay? Right. <laughs> right. Take, take the arguments that we made and just swap out Navy SEALs for yourself, you know, and make the same arguments. Because, the, you know, there's only a couple of little nuances that would only apply to people in the special warfare community. But by and large, the, the legal arguments can apply to everybody. And uh, our hope is that, you know, that the Navy and the DOD will start, get, start to get the message of, hey, you know, people have now figured out how to beat us. You know what right. I mean? It's like a winning right. it's like a winning chess move. Yeah, right. And once once we once that winning chess move is now known, it's like, hey, tell you know, tell all your friends. This is how you can you can mm. defeat this. Or at least potentially defeat it. Now you know, um it's not gonna be a, a one size fits all. You know, people are gonna have to do their own due diligence and their own homework, et cetera. But uh you know, people should take use that as encouragement to say, if I have submitted a religious exemption and it's pending or it's been denied and, or my appeal has been denied, whatever, that I can now challenge that to say. And, and part of the argument we made mm. was, as I've alluded to, is the system was rigged from the beginning, right? When you have a system that says on paper you can get a religious exemption, but none of them are being granted – and, and so what we needed was a smoking gun. We needed a smoking gun, and we found one. And that was a, a document that the, that the CNO, that's the Chief of Naval Operations, uh, so the, the highest-ranking officer in the Navy, uh, the CNO had this document that they had produced. It was a template. And this template laid out a 50-step process for, quote-unquote, reviewing religious exemption requests. Wow. Nowhere in that 50-step process was there ever an option to approve the request. The only option was to deny. Wow. So that told us this is a sham process, right? Yeah. It's, been, it's rigged. It's a predetermined outcome from the beginning. Everybody who requests a religious exemption is going to be denied. We presented that as evidence to the court, and the court said – the court described it as theater. What the Navy is doing is by all accounts theater, Right. Mm. You can make it you can dress it up however you want. You can make it look like, oh, there's this big, elaborate 50 step process. But at the end of the day, when the only thing that comes out of that process is rubber stamp denials, it's not a fair process. Nobody's getting a fair shake. So, again, that's the application or the import of, of of our case to everybody else is to cite that and to say, Hey, the Navy SEALs argued in one that they didn't get a fair process, yep. that, that the outcome was, was predetermined. 
And that was the same with my situation, right? And make and 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 then force them to defend that because they can't, they can't, they can't defend it. Right. What's going to happen to all the service members who have been kicked out over this? You know what? That, I mean, that question keeps getting asked. But I've seen quite people ask, you know, the the Pentagon spokesperson about that. People have asked, you know, uh, DOD and and they don't really know. You know, I mean, I, I think. I, and I've heard rumors, I don't know if this is true or not, but I have heard that uh, in the next legislative cycle that there is a desire by members of Congress to introduce a bill that would essentially reinstate anybody who got kicked out purely on the grounds of, of, of vaccine refusal, mm-hmm. right? So if you, if, you know, there can't have been other misconduct, in other words, that was related to it. But I mean, if, if like you refuse the vaccine and went up and punched your first sergeant in the face, okay, <laughs> right. right that, that probably wasn't a smart move. Right. Uh, but if the only reason for your, for your separation was vaccine refusal, I think that there is an appetite in Congress to, to inter- introduce a bill that would reinstate the people who got kicked out. Because yeah. I, and look, here's my prediction. It's because uh, going back to that, that R word readiness, we are seeing recruiting and retention numbers plummet right now in the DOD. And they're going to start saying, we need to bring these people back. These were good people. They were good at their jobs. They were good soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marine. And the only reason we kicked them out was because we were forced to kick them out. Right. We didn't, you know, I bet you, you can probably get commanding officers who say, I did not want to kick out that Marine, but I had no choice because, and this is true that authority and discretion that's normally left to the commander, to the immediate commander was taken from them, right? By, by order. And it was, it was, you know, basically given to bureaucrats in the Pentagon because they knew, right. That, that if you leave it to the individual commander's discretion, and I'm speaking from personal experience here too, with my own situation in the reserve, I know my immediate commander would have fought tooth and nail to, to retain me and to keep me and to approve my religious accommodation request that authority and discretion was taken from him and so i know that that's probably being taken from others as well yeah michael berry where can people follow you you're doing incredible work and it's important work where can people uh, follow the work that you're doing and and learn from even some of the successes that you've had the easiest way is to go to firstliberty.org right and uh we have an entire pillar dedicated to defending the rights of our service members and our veterans. So if that's something you're passionate about, you know, obviously this is not the only case that we have defending service members and veterans. Uh, we have a long history, a proud history of defending service members and yeah. veterans. Uh, so you can learn more about that. And look, if you're interested in just in constitutional law in general and religious freedom, we've got, I mean, we, we, we have a case now at the U.S. Supreme Court uh, where we're waiting for a decision and then just last week, the Supreme Court agreed to hear another one of our major cases. So we have, I mean, two cases at the Supreme Court wow. in the same term is, is you know, that's pretty rare stuff right there. So yeah. uh, first, firstliberty.org is where people can learn more. That's awesome. Thank you for what you guys are doing. And uh, thanks for taking the time to kind of cut through some of this. Very, very confusing, <laughs> but such an important issue. And I uh, appreciate your time on it. Yeah, thanks for your expertise and your commitment, your commitment to it, too. You know, so many people are depending on the work you're doing right now. 
Yeah. Well, I appreciate you all letting me come on and share a little bit and uh, uh, enjoy some uh, some conversation with with fellow Marines. Uh, I always love doing that. So uh, thank you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. We'll do it again. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate Michael coming on and talking about that with us. Uh, I think this warrants probably a second conversation, and as things unfold, we'll have him back on and talk more uh, about what is happening, what has happened. We even looked down the road, and, and the question was asked, and you heard it, uh, what happens to those who have been forced out? We'll have those conversations later on. But please go and check out the work that Michael is doing. Um, First Liberty Institute incredible organization that is standing up for the rights of so many, including those who are in the military. Check him out, check them out, and uh, follow along. That would be fantastic. Uh, Again, thank you for watching and listening. If you would like more information about any of us, I want to give you a few places that you can go. You can find more information about Chad. Simply go to chadrobichaud.com, chadrobichaud.com. That will take you to all of his social information, uh, stuff about his speaking and the other work that he's involved in. Check that out. For me, you can find me using my name, jeremystonelicker.com, jeremystonelicker.com. Wanted to make that as easy as possible, so go and check those out. That would be awesome. And if you like this podcast, there are so many other wonderful podcasts that can be found on the Salem Podcast Network. Real simple, salempodcastnetwork.com. And I look forward to you joining us there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We will talk to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.